This is the Adventure Church Podcast. We are so excited you're here. Today, Pastor CJ is back with a message called Someone's Praying. No matter what you're going through, isn't it encouraging to know that Jesus is always praying for you? He may not take you out of the storm, but he will pray you through it. We hope you enjoy this message. To tell you, it's just unbelievable. But I wrote this uh, in in my uh, in my hotel room, and uh, it's called "Someone's Praying." And uh, <laughs> uh, when I uh, was in my hotel room, uh, coming from our conference, I just began. I promise you, I just had a, a time with God. You ever have that time just with the Lord? Just you know, I got a, a lot of things I'm praying about right now. A lot of things I'm going to keep the vision before the people and. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, th- things get heavy. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, got to make a lot of decisions, a lot of things going on. And things just get really heavy. And so I'm kind of like, God, you know, as pastors, we pray for everybody. But, Lord, who's praying for me? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but you know what really hit me? Really what hit me was this message. And uh, sometimes in our lives, we feel like we're maybe the Lone Ranger we feel like we're carrying the burden ourselves. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? And uh, here I was in this hotel room in the, the Gray Wolf Hotel there in Gurney Mills, uh, laying prostrate on the floor and just crying out to God. God, <laughs> I love you. My wife is uh, trying to sleep, and I'm on the other side of the room by the, where the second queen bed was on the other side, trying to be quiet, but yet waking her up at the same time. And uh, just crying. Say, God. Someone's praying. Have you ever heard this before? Have you ever heard people say they would pray for you and wonder if they really have? You know, have you ever had that happen? And then, how many remember when you were a kid and you would be around the campfire? Kumbaya, my Lord. And you may get to all these different verses, but then they go, someone's praying, Lord. Kumbaya, right? And I was reminded of that song because when we were youth pastors in Oklahoma City, we were at a youth camp. And we could never do our own youth camp or go to an Assemblies of God youth camp with our kids because we would take over the camp. Our kids were 1,000 kids in our youth group, so we always would have to do our own youth camp. So for two years, we did our own youth camp by ourselves. And we had Pharaoh and Pharaoh. We had Lynn Mejia. We had all these big people that would come in uh, to our do our youth camps and stuff. And I remember one particular night, we were on our campfire at our camp there in Oklahoma, and we were singing that song. Someone's praying, Lord, kumbaya. And uh, in the midst of singing around that campfire, the kids began to weep and began to cry and realized that God was really in there and he was also praying for us. But if you have your Bibles, it would be on the screen. But in Romans chapter 8, I call this, this chapter the great eight. If you, never, if, you ever run a, if you ever want to read a great chapter to read to encourage you, it's Romans 8. They call it Romans 8 or great eight for a reason. Romans 8 is the greatest chapter that can inspire you, encourage you, and challenge you and make you feel like you're, you can walk over mountains. And the reason why, because it talks about, number one in verse 8, it talks about verse 1, excuse me, there is no condemnation in those who love the Lord. And then it talks about that you're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. Then it talks about you're forgiven and you're loved and you're accepted. But one of the things that really stood out to me was Romans 8 verse 34. It says this, who then is the 
one who condemns. God said, I don't come to condemn the world, but I come to seek and to save that which was lost, right? John 3, 17, that God so loved the world, as John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But what we forget about after he says that, in verse 17 of John 3, he says this, there is now no condemnation in the Lord. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to seek and to save that which was lost. He's reaffirming to us that I didn't come to condemn you, put you down, ridicule you, tell you you're a loser, that you're not wanted, you're not accepted, that you're not loved, but I came to tell you that I love you, I forgive you, and I don't condemn you or put you down. Aren't you glad that you're loved today? Amen. Aren't you glad that you're loved? And so what he says there, he says, I, then if there's who, there is one who condemns. No one, Christ Jesus, who died more than that. And so in other words, the first part of that verse says, I didn't come to condemn you. And he stresses that back in Romans 8, verse 1, I didn't come to condemn you. That God doesn't come to put you down. He said, no. He said, no one, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life. So what Jesus said, that same life or that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. So in other words, I don't come to condemn you, but I come to give you life and life more abundantly. John 10.10. How many want that abundance of life that Jesus raised from the dead? He overcame death, hell, and the grave, and that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Aren't you glad that today that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you, and that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead represents death or life? Where, O death, is thy victory? Where, O death, is thy sting? Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave, and it's because of that so that you and I can have life and life more abundantly. Amen? Isn't that great? So not only does he do that, but watch this. He not only doesn't condemn us, he also gives us life. But look what he does. The third part of that verse, he's praying for us. He said, at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. In other words, man, can you imagine that? He's, he didn't condemn us. He's, man, gave his life for us, and he's praying for us. Isn't that exciting that he's praying for you? That when you sing the song, someone's praying, Lord, that's Jesus. He's praying for you every time that you're in a predicament, you're in a situation of life. Guess who is praying? Jesus is praying for you. When you feel like no one's praying, you need to look up and realize that Jesus is praying for you. In Acts chapter 7, verse 55, it's not on your notes, but write that down. When Stephen or Stephen was being stoned, Stephen looked up, and you got to get this, when he was being stoned and when he was being persecuted for his faith in God, he said, Stephen looked up, and when he looked through the heavens, he saw that Jesus was at the right hand of God. God, praying for him in the midst of his stoning. You know what he's doing for you? He's praying for you. Every time you're in a struggle, every time you're in a battle, every time you're in a situation, when you feel like people have abandoned you and left you and forsaken you and not praying for you, remember the ultimate heaven and the ultimate God is praying for you today. Somebody say amen. Isn't that exciting that you know that someone's praying for you and that one that's praying for you has never lost a battle, nor will he ever lose a battle, and if you're on God's side, you are on the winning team. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I like this. In Romans 8, it says, he says he will intercede for us. Jesus is praying when others are not. 
I mean, you know, that's true. Jesus is praying when others are not. Jesus is up when others are sleeping. Amen? Jesus is up when others are sleeping. Jesus is praying. He's always got his eye on you. I love this. Jesus cares when others don't. He cares when others don't. He's always there in the midst of your circumstance. He cares about you. And that's when I was laying on the floor, and the Bible says, cast all your cares upon the Lord, because what? He cares for you. And you got to cast your cares because he cares for you. So, Father, I'm casting my cares upon you because I know that, God, as I do, you're going to take them to the very throne room of God, and you're going to intercede for me. But God will only pray and believe for you what you give him. God will say, Lord, I need your help. And God will say, okay, here I come to save the day. He will come in the midst of your situation or struggle or your storm in life. You have to cast it at him so that he can care for you. Amen? So what is your battle? What is your struggle? At Kalispad, you should have saw Michael. It was amazing. Man, people, boom, boom, unbelievable. And they were announcing their struggles, and they were confessing their situations, and God right there and there, it was, you should have seen Brian, it was amazing what God was doing. But they were so transparent. They didn't know me, I didn't know them, and so the cool thing about it was, hey, he's going to be leaving here in a moment, he's going to be leaving here on Tuesday, so he's going to be gone, he doesn't know me, so I'm just going to be honest. Right? Truth sets you free, right? You should have seen Susan people being free. It was, it was amazing. But in Matthew, I, th- I think this is a great story. Matthew 14, Jesus uh, just got done performing and doing great miracles. The disciples were with Jesus, and they saw the signs and wonders that Jesus had done. And, man, the excitement was in the air. People were following Jesus. The crowds were growing. Man, so what was happening, Jesus told the disciples, you needed to get away from the crowd and, and go aside, go across the other side of the lake. So Jesus asked them to do that. How many of you know to obey is better than the sacrifice, right? Jesus asked him to do that. Jesus, how many of you know that we are obedient to God? And even though we're obedient to God, sometimes in our obedience, we're going to go through storms, right? It doesn't mean because we're obedient to God, we love God with all our hearts, that we are absent from storms. We're going to still have storms. It's how you handle your storms in the midst of it, that you hang on with all your might with God, right? So he says this, immediately Jesus made, you have your Bibles, made, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Wow. In other words, I want you, Ron, Rob, to go into the boat. I'm asking you to get into the boat and go across to the other side. And out of their obedience, okay, God, because you said so, I will do it. How many ever questioned God? They got in the boat, and they did what God told them to do. And he says this, watch this, I love this. He said, go on to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, now look at this. He went up on a mountainside himself to pray. Now, get this. How many know that Jesus is omnipresent? He's everywhere. He knows yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He knows everything about us. He knows everything that's going to go on in our life. He knows what's ahead of us. He knows what's behind us. He knows what's even in between us. He knows what's going on at all times. When we think we're out of control, God is in control. He knows everything, Heather, about your life. 
Doesn't he know the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you? Jeremiah 29, 11. If God didn't know the plans, he, what, man, what sense would it be? Man, where would our hope be? God, you have the plans. Lord, you know what's in my life. You know, Jeremiah 33.3 says, if God has the plans, Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you unsearchable things that you don't know. What it means is that, God, you call to me, I will reveal the plan that I have for your life. So Jeremiah 29.11 says he has the plans for you, but Jeremiah 33.3 says, I will show you those plans if you call to me. So you have to call to God in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your battles, in the midst of your plans of life. That, God, I'm going to call to you. I'm going to get my orders from headquarters. I'm going to walk in line and walk in step with you every day of my life. I'm going to call to you, Lord, right? You get that? So watch this. He says this. He says, get into the boat. After you had dismissed him, he went up on the mountainside to self and pray. Already in advance. Jesus knew what was in store. He already knew. Later that night, he was there alone, just him and God, just praying. Watch this. And the boat was already considered a distance from land, buffed by the waves because the wind was against it. In other words, what was happening? A storm came. A storm came. What was Jesus doing? He was praying in the midst of their storm. He was praying in the midst of their storm. He was praying, and he was already ahead of the, the schedule of knowing that, Heather, in this life you will face many struggles. You will face many trials. You will face, to Adam, situations in your life. You're going to have highs and lows. You're going to have battles. You're going to have consequences. You're going to have circumstances that you're going to go through in life. But I am praying for you. Terry, I'm praying for you, and and. and Kevin and their situation, if you didn't know and you didn't hear, Kevin's uh, sister did pass on and go with the Lord. She was celebrating with Jesus. And, and uh, there, I guess the funeral was Saturday, is that correct? And so uh, she did go on to be with the Lord. But, you know, have you ever said this before? Have you ever maybe shook your fist at God? God, you said, you said, Lord, that come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, you'll give me rest. But God, why am I going through the storm? Lord, you tricked me. Ever felt like that? Can you imagine the disciples? Lord, you told me to go on, get into the boat first and foremost, and I was obedient to that. And obedience brings blessings, and Lord, uh, disobedience brings curses, but I feel like I'm walking in the curse. How many of you relate what I'm talking about? God, I feel like I'm walking in this curse, Lord. Obedience brings blessings. Where's my blessing? Here I am in the storm. The, the boat's going to capsize. We're going to drown. We're going to be lost. We're going to be destroyed. God, where are you? God is praying. Someone's praying, Lord. Kumbaya. Jesus is praying. And you know what he's praying? Praying that you don't lose the faith. Praying that you don't lose the hope. Praying that you don't lose sight of who he is. Praying that you will keep your eyes on him, the author and the perfecter of his faith. You know, 1 Peter 4 verse 12 says, uh, don't be surprised by the many struggles or trials that you go through. Then he says this. I love what Peter says there. He says, and John, don't think it's strange when you go through these things. What happens is when we go through struggles of life, what is the first thing we want to do? What's wrong with me? What did I do? What's wrong with me? Why am I going through this? 
And what happens is we all of a sudden start taking a self-evaluation of our things and thinking, man, I must be no good. I must not be loved by God. That's an employ of the enemy to get you discouraged and want to quit and give up. And isn't that right? Don't think it's strange because God is praying for you. You see this? I love this. The disciples were obedient to his instructions. Are we his disciples? Aren't we his hands, his feet? You would think everything would be calm. Amen? You know when I think about calm, if you want to take and write this down, the word calm, C stands for celebrate. I'm going to celebrate God's goodness in my life. You know what the A is? A stands for ask. I'm going to ask, Lord God. You say we have not because we ask not. You know what the L means? Leave all your cares upon the Lord. Leave. Leave all your cares upon the Him. Leave. I'm going to leave my burden, my cares, my problems, my worries at your feet. And you know what the M stands for? Meditate. Meditate on the goodness things of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. If you celebrate, ask, leave, and meditate, you're going to walk in calmness. You're going to walk and be calm knowing that God has everything under control. Amen? Yes, I love this. He says, without storms because of your obedience. You would think that everything would be calm without storms because of my obedience, right? You would think that would be the case. God, I'm following your instructions. How many of you ever said that before? Lord, I'm following your instructions, but God, why is this happening to me? This is why it is. Jesus never removes the storms of your life. They are faith testers. Sometimes with the storms of your life, we'll see how deep your roots are in your faith with God. If you are always moved by the circumstances and the situations that are going on in your life, and every time you go through a crisis, you run and you run away from God, it questions how deep your faith really is with God. But if you're staying there and you're steadfast, you're, you're sticking in there, and you're not being moved, guess what? It's showing that you're stronger than you really are, that your faith is really deeper than it really looks. It really is. I love this. Jesus prays while you are in the storms of your life. That's what he's doing. He's praying for you. He is praying for you. Can you imagine that, that you have Jesus praying for you? He's on your team, Dave. He's praying for you. Even the times we are so unworthy, the, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God, and God still loves us, prays for us, and believes in us when others may have forgiven, like not forgiven us and don't accept us and don't love us. And, man, I'll tell you, isn't it sad, man, sometimes we have families that, man, are separated. They, they're like the Hatfields and the McCoys. And, man, we can't get along because families, just, man, they got odds against each other. And how sad that is. But you know what? You are part of the family of God, and Jesus is the king ringleader. He loves you and accepts you just as you are. There is no division in the house of the Lord. God said, I don't show favoritism to one or to the other. You are all equal and all on the same playing field with God. Isn't that great? That you are accepted, Arlu, just as you are. That God loves you. Ponder this question. Jesus right now is at this moment in the midst of your storm is interceding and praying for you. Ponder that. Can you imagine that? Just think about that. Someone's praying, Lord. He's praying for you. Heather, he's praying for you. He's praying for you. When your furnace was out, when your electric was out, all you went through, man, I'll tell you, we were praying for you. Man, yeah. But you know what? You feel like that? God, why am I going through this? But Jesus was praying. Heather, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. 
How many can remember when somebody really earnestly prayed for you and it just felt good that knowing that somebody prayed for you? Wasn't that a good feeling? But Jesus does that every day. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. You see, the king of the universe is praying or speaking on your behalf. Can you imagine that? He's speaking on your behalf. That he's saying, hey, listen, Edie's going through this or they're going through that. Hey, God, can you just, hey, come down and touch them? Can you imagine that? He's speaking on your behalf. He's saying, hey, I love them with all my heart. I love them. And can you just intervene for Larry right now? Can you just help him? Lord, he needs help right now. Can you, can you just, Lord, he's speaking on your behalf. To me, that's pretty cool. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says these very words. It says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God. Those who come to God. You have to come to God. Draw near to him. He'll what? Draw near to you. You have to do your part. He did his part. you got to have feet under your faith. Faith without works is dead. God, I'm coming to you. When I come to you, God, I'm going to come open, humbled to you. I'm going to come broken, open, and humbled before you, God. And I'm going to cast my cares upon you. I'm not going to hold on to this, Lord, because what I hold on to, I'm going to have to deal with. But what I give to you, you're going to take, and you're going to correct, and you're going to deal with it. Amen? So, God, I'm coming to you. He said this, because he always lives to intercede for them. He lives to intercede will for you. But you have to come humbled, broken, and open before God. That I'm coming, God, just as I am, and I'm surrendering and giving it all to you. I love this. When we forget to pray, he remembers to pray. When we are full of doubt, he is full of faith. Where we are unworthy to be heard, he is ever worthy to be heard. For people of the promise, Jesus is, uh, uh, Jesus is praying. For the people of the promise, that's you and I. So what is the promise? Number one, he never stops praying for you. So when you feel like no one's praying for you, no one cares, Jesus never stops praying for you. Isn't that a comforter feeling to know that Jesus is praying for me? Number two, he believes in you. Man, when others don't believe in you, he believes in you. That's why he prays for you, because he believes in you. I love it when my wife prays for me, man. This morning, when I woke up, I was praying. I heard Jeremiah and my, his car door slam. I'm in there praying. I hear people coming in the, in the church in the morning. I can hear it, and I'm out there praying. And you know what? Before I get up to pray and go do my thing, me and my wife, we laid in bed this morning, and we prayed, Lord, just be with my wife, Lord, just be with my husband. Man, it was so cool to hear someone praying for me and me praying for her. It builds intimacy. And you know what? That's the same thing with God, knowing that God cares for you, knowing that God loves you, that he's praying for you. Husband and wife, if you're not praying for each other, let me encourage you to start doing that. It builds intimacy. It builds relationships. It builds communication. It builds unity. It builds man bonding together. Man, just reach it over and say, honey, I just lift up my wife. I lift up my husband. And pray. It doesn't have to be something theological, but man, just something real sound. Just pray and let them know that you care. There's something about when someone prays for you, especially when it comes from your spouse. Somebody say amen. You single people, it's coming. Amen? Amen. Look at this. He reminds you of his promise. 
You will make it. That's his promise. He reminds you that you're going to make it. He never gives up on his promises towards you. God's promises are what? Yes and amen. I love this verse of scripture, and I'm moving quickly because i got to meet with the board here in a moment to get ready for going to the open house. But in Hebrews chapter 4, watch what it says. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, right, who is ascended in heaven, into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us come firmly to the faith we profess. Now watch this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. In other words, he's able to understand where we're at. Amen? He's able to understand where we're at. In other words, how can he understand? Because Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 says, He humbled himself as a man, taking on the very nature of a servant. He became a man so that he could understand the pain that you and I are going through. So when people say that God doesn't understand, yes, he does. That's why he became a man, so that he can understand where you're at in your life and the situations that you're going through in your life. That's why he says he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he understands. He's gone through what you're going through. He's the best counselor. He understands how to help you in your time of need. But you have to come to him, come with confidence that my God understands me. But watch what he says. He says, who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Wow, can you imagine that? Tempted in every way, faced with every situation, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Hebrews 10 verse 35 says, don't throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded to you if you do not throw it away. You see, so what the enemy want to do? He wants to take your confidence and don't feel confident to go to God. So what is he, how he takes our confidence is making us feel unworthy, making us feel unloved, making us feel like we're not good enough, making us all these different things. It's how he steals your confidence, and therefore you're not wanting to go to God because you're like, man, I don't feel worthy, I don't feel good enough, I don't feel accepted, I don't feel loved, so I can't go to God. But he's saying, listen, don't go, go with him with confidence so that we or you may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, in your time of need right now. God is never too early, never too late. He's always on time. Are you in a need, in a situation right now? Are you in a predicament right now? This is your time of need. God, this is my situation. Lord, this is where I'm at right now. Lord, I need you in my predicament right now. Is this not your time of need? Is this not your situation? God, I come to you right now. I love this. He became a man so he could understand. He was divine so he could help. Can you imagine that? He became a man, Brian, so he can understand. But he was divine so he can help you in your situations, Larry. So he can help you in your battle, in your struggle. He overcame the situations and struggles. After all, when the disciples were going through the storms and the storm was buffeting their boat and their boat was ready to sink, didn't he, wasn't he divine? Didn't he show himself? He walked on water. God created gravity, but he also can defy it. 
He is divine so he can help you. He, he's a man so he can understand you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every weakness in your life. He knows where you're at in your situations of life. You see, in Matthew 14, verse 25 through 26, that's supposed to be, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. And it goes on, they cried out in fear because of what? Because who am I? I'm not worthy of this before God. But God came into their boat, and when God spoke to the storms, he said, enough is enough, and they made it over to the other side. You know what God can do? He can face his face into the wind, and he can say to your storms, enough is enough. Yesterday, as we traveled through Madison and Wisconsin Dells, I kid you not, man, we had hail, we had snow, we had winds that probably were 60, 70 miles an hour, and our car was being pelted with leaves. No kidding, just being pelted with leaves. It was more leaves than it was even snow. Amen. When we stopped at the gas station, we looked like we had confetti all over our car. Because the leaves, I mean, it was that crazy. I mean, it was that crazy. And I just thought to myself, God, if this is the storms that you can face your face into and you can say enough is enough, you're a great God. And he can do that to you today. He can do that to you. Jesus reminds them to take courage in him, for he is with you and is praying for you. And you know what he's saying to you today? He's reminding you today to take courage in him. Don't quit. Don't give up. And when I laid there on that floor in the hotel room there at Gurney Mills or Gurney, Illinois, I said, God, I'm casting my cares on you. We're getting ready to embark on some big things. We're getting ready, God, to go forward. And, man, whenever we get ready to go forward, the, the, the weights get heavy, right? And so I'm saying, God, I'm casting them on you. I'm only the vision carrier, but you're the one that carries it out. I carry it, but you carry it out. I, pro I proclaim it, Lord, but you do all the miracles. And, Lord, I just have to trust you. I have to trust you to do your work. Amen. Will you stand with me today? Amen. Thank you for allowing me to sit today. I uh, felt like I was a professor today at the, at the thing. Amen. God is good. Thank you. Uh, and I, I'll get better. Just pray that my ear, like I said, it just got popped from when I rode the airplane. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Will you do that? This morning as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, and you say, Pastor, I, I need God to uh, come into a situation in my life. I need God to intervene in, in my life right now. I'm going through a storm. I'm going through a struggle, whether it be financial, physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever it may be. And you say, Pastor, I, I just need God to touch me. Just raise your hand today. Just yes, 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 yes. There's many, many hands. Jeremiah, will you step to the keyboard? There's many hands, probably 12 hands already that I see. We had 32 people give their life to the Lord at Calisbed. It was amazing. 32 people gave their life to Jesus. 12 hands. Give me put them down for a moment. Anyone else today? Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I, I need prayer in my situation, in my, my situation of life. Anyone? Anyone else? Yes, there's another one just went up. One, another one just went up. Two, 14 hands. Anyone else? Pastor, I need prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, 14 hands that were raised here today, Lord, you, you know their situation. You know their struggles. You know what they're going through in life. And not only do you know what they're going through, but, God, you're praying for them today. 
Someone is praying. Someone is praying, and that someone is you. Lord, you never leave them nor forsake them. You never cast them aside, but you always come to them. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you right now will just begin to move miraculously in their circumstance, their situation, and their struggle of life, that, God, you will reveal yourself mightily to them today. Lord, it's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. That, Father, you engage, that you touch, that you encourage, that you minister, that you bless your people. And, Lord, I thank you, Father, for what you are doing and what you're going to continue to do for these 14 people that raised their hand today. How exciting to know that, God, you're in control. And they're letting go so that you can take the wheel. Bless them and encourage them. Be with us today as we celebrate, God, the 11 that are being baptized, the open house at the Soras, all the exciting things that are happening here at Adventure Church. Lord, have your way, Holy Spirit. Bless, Lord God, this congregation. Bless each individual. Cheryl and I love them so dearly. We pray your hand upon them, that your windows of heaven will be open to them, that you will meet their needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. If you would like to give a financial gift to the pastoral staff at Adventure Church, please visit our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Our online giving is simple and secure. Thank you so much for your generous gifts. They truly are a blessing.